Well, as Sean already mentioned, last week we did begin a new sermon series called The One Another's. The One Another's are comprised of 59 New Testament commands that use the term one another or each other to teach us how God intends for us to live in community. You say, Kent, what's so important about living in community? Why should I be concerned about community? Two reasons. One, you can't fully experience God's purpose in your life without it. Two, if you don't fulfill your purpose, others in this world may never know that God sent his son. What's your purpose? Well, if you were here last fall, hopefully you remember that we learned that our purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Some of you were listening last fall. You cannot glorify God and you cannot enjoy him fully apart from community. You were designed for community. Community is one of the most basic human drives. All people crave genuine community. Sarah Harmeyer with Neighbor's Table, who we talked about last week, experienced that firsthand. Why is this so? Why do all people crave community? Because we're made in the image of God and God dwells in community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have existed and will exist in an interdependent relationship of perfect community for eternity past, present, and future. God has provided humanity several institutions in which to experience and participate in community. Marriage, the family, and the church. The community experienced in marriage, the family, and the church is intended to provide a taste to us and to the world of the perfect community experienced by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and of the perfect community that believers will experience with God forever. However, because we are fallen creatures Community no longer comes easy for us. We need to be reminded and encouraged to master the sinful, selfish tendencies that are a part of our old nature that resist genuine community. To this end, God has given us the one another's. 59 specific commands teaching us how and how not to relate to one another in the church as well as in marriage and the family. About one, of, about one third of the one another's deal with the subject of love. They're the one another's we just read that Sean led us in a few moments ago. Um, we read uh, today, we're going to explore a single passage, one of these passages, that contains one of these one another's. It's focused on love. We find it in John chapter 13, verse 31 to 35. There we read this. When he, Judas, had left, 
Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Children, I am with you a little while longer. You, you will look for me, and just told the Jews, so now I tell you where I, I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I loved you, you are also to love one, one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. These verses form the start of what, what Bible scholars call, call Jesus' farewell discourse. He delivered these, these words on the night before his, his death, uh, and Jesus in an upper room eating the Passover meal with his disciples. He's attempting to pre- prepare them for his death and the emotional black hole and sting loss they will face. If, if you, you were going to die tomorrow, and tonight night you get with your friends, what would you say to them? I would sure guess that you probably wouldn't, wouldn't be talking about the Super Bowl. I'm going to guess that you, you would be talking about, about the things that are of the very most importance to you. These words of Jesus are some of the things he felt most vital to say to his friends and his followers. Where do we find a one another instruction in these words of Jesus? Well, it's right in the middle of the passage in verse 34. Jesus says, I give you new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Let me ask you a quick question. Why did Jesus say, I give you a, a new command? Command to love others was certainly not new to Judaism or even to, to society at that time for that matter. In Leviticus 19.18, we read that God had commanded the Israelites, love your neighbor as self. When asked earlier in his ministry, is the greatest? What's the most important, the most weighty commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God, your God, all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So how is love one another a new command? The reason this is a new command is because the standard of love, love has been raised. As, as I have loved you. Jesus is commanding disciples, includes you and me, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, to love each other, to live in community in the same, same way, to the same, same degree that he has loved us. The question that follows naturally is, how has Jesus loved us? Well, I want to call your attention to three things evident in this passage about Jesus' love for us. Three things that set the bar for how we are to love one another. First, 
Jesus loved by serving. He loved by serving. If we go back to verses 1 to 12 in chapter 13, we see Jesus loving. He's loving by serving. Before he ate the Passover meal with his disciples, Jesus took a towel and a bath and some water. And one by one, he washed his disciples' feet. Disciples had a need. They had stinky Dirty feet from walking the dusty roads of Judea. Jesus met their need. He sprung into action. He, he met them at the point of their, of their immediate need. He served them. Love with, with, with which Jesus loved his, his disciples was not a sentimental feeling. It was love evidenced by action. Jesus said of himself, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Late Bible scholar Howard Hendricks uh, tells a story of ministering in a church in Washington, D.C. He says he was was ministering in the fourth Presbyterian church in Washington, D.C. I find that kind of of interesting. That means there's a first Presbyterian and a Presbyterian and a a third Presbyterian. I think by the time I got number four, I'd come come up with a different name, but nevertheless, that's the name of the church. And he was ministering there, and I I think he was there for several days. And one morning, they had a father-son banquet. It was at 30 a.m. in the morning. And all, and all of these men and all of these, all these sons of different ages came and to him talk. Dr. Hendricks said that there, there were people there from, from, from gun offices. There were people there from the military. There were people there who were craftsmen. There were people there who were ordinary uh, uh, tradesmen. And he, and he said, a real mix of people and a real mix of ages. And uh, he said it was a good time. And he, and he said after he prayed the closing prayer and, and uh, people began to exit, he said some activity caused eye over, over to the right. He noticed someone who was stacking chairs, was, was folding chairs and stacking them, and who was picking up dirt, dirty soiled napkins from breakfast that had fallen on the floor. It wasn't, wasn't the janitor. Senator Mark Atfield, Republican Center, he deceased now. But he, he was there that morning for the meeting. After the meeting, Senator Hatfield saw a need and... and he went and started. Uh, Dr. Hendricks said, if you're, if you're impressed with the fact that you're, you're a U.S. senator, you do not stairs and you do not pick up soiled napkins off the floor after, after breakfast. But obviously, Senator Hatfield had a different idea that he chose to love others by serving very much as Jesus chose to wash his disciples' feet and to meet their need. As I have loved you. Jesus' love embraces service. Jesus' love is also unconditional. You know what takes place immediately after Jesus gives this kind to love one another? Have you, have you looked ahead? He predicts Peter's trail. In verse 38, he says, Peter, before morning, you're going to stone me three times. Peter says, oh, no, 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 no. I would never do that. Never in a, in a million years. Jesus says, yeah, you're going to do me three times. Think about it. On the night before going to the cross, Jesus gathered with his friends, knowing one of his, his three closest friends 
is, is going to deny him, him not once, not twice, but three times within, within the next 12 hours. Oh, but the irony of the evening shared friends becomes even more stark. What occurs between the foot washing that we just noticed a few minutes ago and the command to love, to love one another as, as I loved you? Jesus, Jesus is eating meal with his disciples, with his friends. And it's in the meal that identifies Judas as the one who will, who will betray him. He gives Judas a piece of bread dipped in sauce and says, What you are about to do, too quickly. Not, or, not only is Jesus serving and eating with the one who will in just hour deny him, him with cursing, by the way. Peter threw in some extra curse words just to make sure they really understood he didn't know the guy. He is serving. Jesus is serving eating right, right now. The so-called friend, friend who stabbed him in the, in the back by betraying him to religious authorities who are determined to terminate Jesus. Jesus' love for his disciples included a love for Peter and for Judas. His love was and is unconditional. Jesus loves regard, regard being loved in return. Jesus loved you and me before the foundation of the world. His love was not and is, is not based on our acceptance. Of him. He, he loves us in spite of our rebellion and rejection of his, his love. As I have, have loved him. On a cold night in November 12, 2004, six, six teenager in Ron Concombe, New York, thought it would be fun to buy a 20-pound frozen turkey with a stolen credit card. While dri- driving on Sunrise Highway, 18-year-old Ryan Cushing decided to throw the frozen bird out of the back window just for a thrill. The turkey hit another vehicle. This is the woman who was at the wheel of the vehicle. Her name is Victoria Lolo. The turkey came through the windshield, smashed into Victoria's face, caved in one, one cleat side of her head, caved in esophagus to where she shouldn't have breathing, and she was taken on life support to the hospital with multiple life-threatening injuries. It didn't look like she was going to make it. But Victoria did make it. She did, did pull through. But she sustained lifelong injuries to one side of her face, to her eye, to uh, some of her throat area. She would never be, be sane. She didn't wake up in the hospital for at least two, two weeks. And when she, when she finally wake up, she couldn't remember what had happened. All she knew was that her life was altered forever. Irre, irre, forever. <laughs> it was changed forever. She was so mad. She was so angry. She was ang- angry at God. Why would you let this happen to me? I wasn't doing anything wrong. She was angry at the, the young man who had so flippantly done something so stupid, stupid resulted and her present state. But as time went on, Victoria began to, to process this whole whole. She probably should have been dead, but God, God had pulled her through. She had to ask the question, God, 
is there a purpose in all of this? And she began to wonder, she processed these questions, whether or not it had something to do with somebody else other than her. If it's something to do with a 10-year-old man. The prosecuting attorney, we wanted to throw, throw the book at this young man, and the man was forced for, to ask for a 25-year jail term for first-degree assault and some other small, um, smaller charges. Um, it did not look good for Ryan and at all. All of the other kids in the car did a plea plea bar and, and confessed that he was the one who did it. And uh, as the trial grew closer, Victoria had so much going on in her heart, and she decided she wanted to do something. She decided that she was going to ask the attorneys and also, also ask the judge to give Ryan a much lighter sentence than what he deserved in this case. She said, it won't do any good to put in, in jail for, for 25 years. Just become a hardened criminal. So she, she made this quest, was aware of this. And at the end of the court proceedings, things they hadn't come to sentencing stage, he was found guilty. At the, at the end of the, of the court's session, when it was time to leave, rather than just walk, walking out, he started walking towards Victoria. And the security guards quick, quickly started to move in because they didn't know what was going to happen. But, but Ryan went and he stood, stood in front of Victoria and he just a big sob. He just began again to weep uncontrollably. And in between the sobs, he was trying to say to her, I'm so, 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 so sorry. I never meant for something like this to happen. I'm so, so, so sorry. Victoria do. The account story says that she reached out and and, and took took his cheek in in her hand held it and said, Ryan, I just want you to make something good out of your life. Just take this and make something good. Victoria was, was choosing to forgive him. In fact, when they came to the sentencing stage, the court had been so, so impacted by this, the judge went along with, with her rest. Ryan, Ryan only six months in jail. And then five, five years probated sentence and community service. And, and Ryan told uh, people at, after each sentencing, he told Victoria, he said, your choice to, to forgive me when I don't deserve it has changed my, has changed, changed my life. Victoria chose to love Ryan Unconditionally, in her situation, she cho- chose to forgive. She chose to love as, as Jesus loves. And that love impacted deeply, in fact, transformed the life of an 18-year-old young man. Jesus calls us to love unconditionally as he loves, as I have loved you, you. Jesus loved by serving, and his love was unconditional. Jesus' love was also so costly. His love was costly. Where do we see this passage? Well, in verses 31 and 32, we read Jesus' words. When he left, Jesus said, 
And when, when he had left, that's speaking of Jesus, Jesus said, Now that the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him, if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. What was Jesus speaking of when he talks about being glorified and God glorified in him? He was talking of the cross and of the resurrection. Look back in chapter 12, the chapter preceding, in verse 23, Jesus says this, The hour has come for the man to be glorified. Truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Skipping verse 27, Jesus continues, Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour? But that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. Crowd standing there and said, It's thunder. Up said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus responded, this came not, not for me, but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now, now the ruler of this world, world will be cast out. As for me, me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. What was this glorification referred to in the passage? It was the glory of God that would, would be revealed in the, the cross. The glory that God himself died as a, as a man for the sins of the world. That, that the prince of God's kingdom come and die, and die so that rebellious and death-sentenced subjects could be set free and adopted as children and joint heirs of the king. It was also the glory that he that just received before his father for fulfilling the father. The glory that will be consummated when, upon his, his return to earth when every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that, that Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord to the glory of God the Father. And earth worships him as the lamb, lamb slain, the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. The glory of the cross is love, sacrificial love, costly love. March 2018, a lone gunman took several people hostage in a French supermarket with a terrorist. Arnaud Graham, a French police officer, offered to trade, trade place with a hostage during the standoff. Because of his actions, the hostage lived, but the officer, Arnaud, died. Although, although we know for certain the state of Arnaud's heart, his priest thinks he was a true believer. Father Jean-Baptiste Jean wrote this of Officer Arnaud. It seems to me that only his faith can explain them the madness of this sacrifice, which is today the admiration of all. He understood, as Jesus told us, there is no greater love than to give one's life for one's friend. He knew that his life belonged to his wife, Ariel, 
it also belonged to God, to France, and to, and to his brothers in danger of death. I believe only a Christian faith animated by love could ask for this superhuman sacrifice. Like Jesus, Arnaud Beltran loved sacrificially. He loved at great, great personal cost. As us have loved you, we are to love as Jesus loved. Jesus' love was and is a love that served, a love that is conditional, and a love that is costly. Well, what does Jesus tell us will be the result of us loving as he loved? We read verse 35, Jesus' words, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When you and I love one another like Jesus has loved us, service unconditionally and sacrificially with costly love. Jesus says this, the world will see that we belong to him. Why? Because they will see him in, in us. They will see him in our marriages, in our families, and in our church. They will see community at its best. And they will see a picture of God that invites them to join the community that God has restored with humanity through his, his son. Last week, uh, if you're here, remember we explored community at its best within the early church as it's described in Acts chapter 2. Did you know that in the earliest centuries of the of the church, love was the hallmark of their community? Tertullian, an, er, an early church father, reported report that the pagans, those who d- didn't profess faith in Christ, said of the Christians, listen to this, see, they say, say how they love one, one another, how they are ready even to die for, for one another. Wouldn't it be cool if people who knew you and me, who knew us here at Hawkwood Baptist Church, would, would say, see, how they love one another. How they are ready, ready even tie for one another. E.R. Dodds, a 20th century classical scholar, and by the way, a Christian, asserts that the genuine love and unity among Christians in the, in the church was a major cause, perhaps he says, the strongest single cause of the spread of Christianity. God continues, but in the, he said, said, says this, love of one's neighbor is not an exclusively Christian virtue. But in the second to third century, Christians appear here to have practiced it much more effectively than any other group. People saw their love, flocked to the church, if wanted to be a part of that unity in the church grew and grew and grew. But by the 4th century, this had pretty well changed. With the advent of the state church, everyone was a Christian now. To be a Christian, a Christian required a death to self. You could, could be a Christian and remain, remain selfish and unloving. Love as a hallmark of Christianity 
was lost in practice. This is echoed in the, in the preaching of a 4th century church father, John Chrysostom. I want, I want you to listen to what he said. This is, this is, this is quite, um, quite uh, powerful. He says, there is nothing else that causes the Greeks, that is the non-Christians, to stumble. Except there is no, no love. He, he continues, we are the cause of their remaining in error. Their own doctrines they have long con- condemned and in like, like manner admire ours. But, but they are hindered by our mode of life. They're hindered by the lack of love among, among its people. In part of the world today, the church continues to be the greatest obstacle to people's coming to believe that the Father sent the Son into the world. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, may you and I not let this be true of the community that we seek to preserve and grow among us as God's people here at Hawkwood this church as I have loved you. Loving as Jesus loves loves is not easy. It's not for me. And I know I know it's not easy for you. But Jesus wouldn't come command us to do something that's possible. So how do we do it? How do we love as Christ has loved us? Do we just say, say to ourselves, uh, okay, self, do not, not be selfish. Think about others. Do we try to remember Jesus first, others second, me last? Do we just try harder? I, I, I can, okay, Lord, I'm going to try hard love like you loved. Well, the truth, the truth is you and I must choose to respond to Christ's command to love one another. He, he won't do it for us. But the key to love, loving as Christ loved won't be found in just giving more effort. It won't be found in just trying hard, harder. Key is to be, is to be found somewhere else. Later in this same farewell address, Jesus uses a metaphor to, to describe our, our relationship with him and with the Father. He says this, I vine, you are the branches. When we profess faith in Jesus, God the Father grips us in, in the vine that is Jesus. We are now in Christ. Christ, Christ not only gets to live in us, we are placed in him. Just as sap flows from a great vine trunk into its branches, and each branch is nourished, grows, and bears fruit, so does the love of God from the vine, that is Jesus, into our lives as spiritual branches that are connected to him. The life of God flowing into us provides the power to what we could not otherwise do. Remember, Jesus makes impossible righteousness possible. Pastor Grant, 
reminded us of that in our sermon series, City on a Hill, from the, from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus himself, his power, his, his spirit, the spirit of God makes it possible for you and you and I to love as, as Jesus did. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do, do, nothing. No, no, zero, zilch. We're zeros with a rim kicked off. We can't do anything of eternal value, of eternal significance apart from Jesus. But what does a branch have to do to thrive? Just one thing. Just one thing. One thing. Stay connected to the vine. Remain vital connected to the vine. Jesus said, said remain me and I will remain in you. If we do, Jesus said, we will bear much fruit. Do you remember what the first fruit of the Spirit is? It's listed in nations. What's that? He said love. Ding, 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 ding. Correct. Isn't it interesting that the first fruit of the Spirit that God talks about is love. The very thing that Jesus has handed us to do. When we stay connected to Jesus, the love which he loves us is spiritually narrated within us. We are transformed from the inside out by his love. We are enabled and empowered to love as he heals. What about you? Are you remaining? Are you abiding in the vine called Jesus? If not, you can do nothing. If so, you can love as, as Jesus loved you. As I have loved you, love one, one another. Jesus' love is a love that serves, a love that is, is unconditional, and a, and a love that acquired great, great cost. Loving as, as he loved is possible through remaining vitally connected to him, the vine. As we remain in the divine, genuine God-infused community is possible in our marriages, in our, our families, and yes, in our church, his church. As we remain in the vine, we experience community, the kind of community that, that will cause the world to believe that God sent his son into the world to bring life. Would you bow your heads? Some of you uh, here today, if you were really honest, have to uh, say, Kent, um, I don't think I'm connected to the vine. In fact, I don't know if I've ever, ever made any kind of a move toward God. Um, but in fact, you're saying loving like Jesus is love. I don't know that standard if I could ever live up. You can't on your own. It, it, you can only do that. We can only do that as